Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of DX Button, the third episode for the year 2022, the year of our Lord. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, and with me is the voluminous, non-quite-goldilocks. Oh, hey, everybody. How is it going? You know, pretty pretty good. Just uh, just survive the cough. They used to watch me survive in our uh, pre-show, basically, our pre-preparation. <clears throat> Stupid COVID. You start with a cuff, you end with a cuff. Man, it's like it's been two weeks and that cuff just doesn't go away. So thank God I have water. But how's your life been, Paul? I have been catching up. Um, and by catching up, I mean playing like three of the same games over and over <laughs> again and getting no progress done. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're in the good spot right now where it's like, this is the calm before the storm. We're the kids from Jurassic Park in the car. We're, he we're hearing the tremblings because it's about to hit us. Starting this week, Paul, the release tsunami for the next five weeks begins. Can you believe that? I know. I'm, I'm really excited <clears throat> for it because I keep thinking in my head, what is actually coming out? And everything that's like we have that list we keep having to mm -hmm. i keep having to look at it because i'm like what was it again when is this coming out when do i need to expect playing it um and when can i catch up on everything else that i still need to finish mm -hmm. and uh then each time i get opportunities to finish those games i play something else yes <laughs> so. it goes like this we're starting with uncharted this friday on ps5 mm -hmm. then the next week dying like two then the next week sifu then the next week Horizon. Then the next week, Destiny 2, Witch Queen, and Elden Ring. Those are the big ones, not even mentioning other ones. That's in the I next know. five weeks. Those are the ones that we're personally invested in. <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. Man. I can't wait, though, to see how we decide. And the, I think the good thing is that we're not within Games Media is that uh, we have to be the outsiders and see how people react. We can allow them to tell us if it's worth investing in one of those five. I know two of them I already in in, in the back for Horizon yeah. and Destiny because I know what they are. The other ones aren't like, okay, I want to hear what people say. Obviously, Elden Ring is uh, another Souls game. I want to hear how hard or how much different it is because I tend to bounce of those. And I need to hear about Sifu and Dying Light too. So, and we have the, uh, while well, we've been talking behind the scenes, how are we going to try to cover them? I have to be able to play all this by account sharing. So, I can't wait. But those are inside baseballs. Uh, before we dive in into what we've been playing, just a reminder that we are always going to be posting right now every Wednesday as of this year right now, based on our current schedules, uh, both video and audio. And you can find the audio services at uh, anchor.fm slash escape dash media. And, all, and all, all our videos always at the escape media channel on YouTube. So, Paul, hit me. What have you been playing? Well, the first and uh, largest thing that I played was Kingdom Come Deliverance. Bought for six bucks, right? Yes, I, I picked it up for six bucks and I ended up getting the DLC as well because that was all on sale as well, um, which was like, I think a total of 20 bucks for everything. Mm -hmm. So I was like, yeah, all right, I'll, I'll pick it up. And um, I forgot that, yes, it is rough, so rough of a game, but um, it really immerses you. At its best, that game pulled me in like Skyrim did back in the day because it has such a air of mystery mm -hmm. and slight confusion because it doesn't follow the general mechanics of all of the shorthand games that 
we're taking for granted know how to do um if you want a potion you better learn how to actually mix things up like you're standing in a kitchen um if you want to save it is a consumable that can go away do you want to fight well it's like for honor on crack where you have not just three positions of defense but five and stamina management and all of the crazy stuff and then on top of it you've got this surprisingly interesting storyline of just this dude being an absolute terrible dude at everything mm -hmm. going to being like this actual badass um in every area of combat in the game and um they make you feel so powerless and that you suck at everything and it's so frustrating but if you can get past that initial like 10 hours which is a lot but for an rpg that's kind of par for the course and if you do get to that point you feel like every step is yours and every success is yours you succeed based on cleverness craftiness outwitting your opponents and then by the end you're just curb stomping people um and then i got bored <laughs> sounds about right <laughs> uh and it's just it is such a slog through a lot of the side quests and through all of those dialogues where everyone has three animations and it like five of the npcs of the same face but like if you can really burn through that side of it um and you look back on it like this is like what new vegas would look like if it came out today almost um, kind of jank yeah it's like it's fully jank but it's like almost never really ruining you kind of glitches it's like mm -hmm. oh this is hilarious what is going on right now um for me it's more just the slow slogging of realism factors that just keep making me like god this is so frustrating like you have a reticle for instance but if you pull out a bow the reticle disappears and you just have to you have to really gauge and you know there's like a certain range for the bow and you just got to get it right um but it's like why would you have a reticle and then take it away that's like you're you're purposely messing with me but anyway um that was all that i was playing with that i played also destiny 2 obviously back, um but what i did was chestnut. <laughs> i tried playing uh with my <clears throat> warlock there and you, go. you can speak in on as an authority on this because um man i realized the power of a build mm -hmm. because my my destiny 2 titan has a specific setup and but even they, if the, i the move fire around grenade. with that yeah and but even now like if i switch it i can still get somewhat similar return on investment for other things it's just not as powerful but if i don't have that set up um if my armor still has like the lower numbered stat instead of not just the light but the other one that like ruins a lot of things if it doesn't have a good role mm -hmm. and i can switch over the weapons but if the armor's not good you are just a paper cannon and um i i died so many times on even the most basic strikes because i'm so used to having that extra health um and it was uh it was rough i will tell you yeah or is was this your first time playing with the warlock or have you tried Not it like, first before? time okay i've messed with them before i kind of knew like the supers that i was going for um i really like the 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 kamehameha wave the arc uh blast and the nova bombs 
um but i'm trying to get better into the well of radiance because that's the one that everyone says for like survivability and stuff yeah. if you want to solo stuff and have an easier time that's the class to use because of the yeah. self-healing and that stuff and that is in spite of them removing self-rest that was the big thing with uh, warlocks in destiny one that you can like die and you even if you had your super you could revive yourself so i think i remember that actually that's why um, everyone loved warlocks in destiny one because yeah. of that and then uh until they added will of radiance warlocks in that first year stopped being known as the healing class it's basically your medic class yeah you know like compared to the other two and even now it's like your go-to for any sort of survivability and nightfalls and raids and all that stuff um as opposed to the bubble titans but anyway so yeah i was just going through all that with the highs and lows of mm. playing something that can like crush enemies much better from a distance with abilities mm -hmm. but then also being so much squishier and um that that was a bit of a challenge but i think that's going to be my alternate if mm -hmm. ever I need to switch over to something else. I'm trying to build that up a little. Yeah, I would say give a hunter a whirl and try it in PvP because a lot of people in I, PvP love using hunters. I struggle a lot with the supers for the hunter. And the only one that I could really get with was the golden gun for distance, arc staff for melee. And I just didn't like any of the void abilities mm -hmm. and uh, the stasis one never seemed to work for me, but I'm pretty sure I was That's using everyone that right. stupid silence and squall from the. I, from the I watch it happen to me and I'm like, this is awesome. And then I never get it right. Um, so I, I didn't mess around with the hunters as much. And I also found the exotics because I watched those like Zer in one minute uh videos mm -hmm. whenever Zer shows up and they'll say oh this is a really great role for a certain thing so sometimes i'll buy it uh for other classes anyway and um i got the phoenix whatevers um that let you have amazing powers but anyway um the last couple things um i'm going to briefly touch on the pathless mm -hmm. that i've got to play last because week. i told you you did. You told me, and it was on sale, and I've been mm -hmm. waiting for it to be on sale for a really long time. Yeah, because it was 40 bucks, and until it was yeah. down to like 23 24 I was like, this is the time. This is the time, yeah. because this is... Like I don't think it was worth the 40 bucks. I would have been real burned if I had bought it <laughs> at that price. I think, but, it, based on what I played of it, I think it's worth the 40 but for our budgets, I think it, it was well that we yeah. got it at the price we did, but yeah. Because we were buying it. a lot of other stuff. Um, so it's, it's quiet, it's soothing, it is... Um, eerie and it just like you said it is very fun to move around the world um because it's that the gameplay loop of dashing jumping and timing it out with hitting the crystals so that you mm -hmm. get the boost just at the right time and you combine and it, it with the evil really nice. when you combine it right, with the evil which to stay I, I barely touch that and um even then it was like okay this is kind of fun i could see how if i unlock more then i could really enjoy myself but um there's not too much to say about the pathless because i really didn't touch too much in it and i don't want to ruin myself by talking too much about something that i played for like three hours mm. the last thing was the surprise that i didn't expect at all hitman 3. yeah I, because i told you it was my game of the year in 2021 that finally puts you right <laughs> um I, I pushed it because it was it was on sale still and the mm -hmm. sale was ending and I was like, man, I just maybe I will get it. And um, 
it finally did click but i will say that hitman 3 starts off much better at getting you into both the story mm-hmm. because like the cutscenes for hitman 1 were like not even actual cutscenes. it they was were like animated stuff if I remember. Mm-hmm. sort of animated mm-hmm. but not really and i was like i'm not vibing with this because it basically played out like an episode of succession where you're just mm-hmm. like it's a bunch of people sitting around a table talking about how prestigious they are and how some guys ruining their lives mm-hmm. and i was like i don't really care about this just let me kill things and um just hitman 3 gave me such a payoff for um not even involving that final mission that was just with the best um, level design of the entire series it's the engine being at its best you finally feel like all the mechanics are tuned finally right and work so well moving back to hitman 1 and 2 and getting those improvements with that and it's having a massive sprawl of a game oh yeah um and it plays so much better and you I'm realizing they did tweak the the shooting because if I'm on my game, mm-hmm. I can actually get some good shots in, which makes my play style work a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also made me realize that following along with the challenges, it doesn't actually matter if you don't um, Yeah, so if you kill a few people, but you're trying to go for a challenge, it doesn't matter. You make because, up with the XP um, games there. Exactly, mm-hmm. and the some of the challenges specifically ask you to kill enemies that are not on your target list because it'll say, "Well, kill five enemies with the shotgun, or kill ten enemies with the shurikens and the samurai sword." I'm like, "There's not that many targets in there," the, and I went, oh, "Wait, do you they went want down me the rabbit. Me. Do you went down the rabbit hole with the manor level?" Where you become like a detective? Um, yes, I went through all of that, and it took me forever because there was like one piece of evidence that I was mm-hmm. missing, and I had to look it up to see where it was. But that was like one person that I hadn't confirmed had done it, um, and then I did. And then I will say it—it uh, it felt a little weird because you tell the lady the truth of everything and then you kill her so nothing really happens out of it Mm -hmm. um but i don't know if i just like jumped the gun on that by killing the lady that i told all of that to Mm -hmm. uh too early but um the process of it was really fun i loved the manor i love walking around it and i realized that the reason i bounced so hard off hitman 2 is because i definitely just did not like the designs of their maps nearly as good as the first game and the third game yeah i would say hitman 2 was definitely the weaker one of the three it was still a pretty good game but like it added a lot of scope which i Mm -hmm. liked um but i i also like that they refocused a lot of their missions in the third game to be a lot more close-knit instead of it's like this super wide open area but you can only kind of jog so it takes you literally like five minutes to get across the but i feel that's the irony it's like the scope was made bigger within because of the new engine but they designed it in such a way that you can still have those intimate more close together moments yes that that allowed the design to shine instead of just being like wide open and it's a lot easier to pick it up and put it down i think it's just um the the shooting is great but also all of the different options that you have for taking out enemies the mission stories are so much better because i used to just feel so overwhelmed mm-hmm. and like in hitman 1 there were there weren't nearly enough options for it and they built that up by the time hitman 3 came around and like they added more stuff to the previous ones to give you more options and items and it's just now you understand why better. that now you understand why that game was my obsession from january yes. to april because uh, i'm 21 
I'm re-going through. I still haven't even finished the DLC for Hitman 2 yet because mm-hmm. I'm just working through. I mean, I played Hitman 3 first, then I'm going through back. Um, mm-hmm. But just the fact that all of that is happening, I've barely touched contracts, escalation, any of that stuff. It's just, it's fun to walk through the world and say, all right, well, now let's see if I could do this without getting spotted. And the movement for Hitman 3 is updated so much that I feel more like I'm playing Metal Gear Solid, which was my complaint. I was Mm -hmm. like, I want more fluidity in my movement if I'm really supposed to sneak away from people. And they did that. And it's it feels so much better. And I feel amazing when it works out and less like they're beating me over the head when I fail. Yeah, yeah, so I could talk about that forever. But yeah, (laughs) Yeah, now you see that I wasn't speaking out of my butt when I gave it my favorite game of the year. Because that game was an obsession for four months for me. Obviously, new stuff came out because I drew it dry like i like squeeze that game dry in those mm-hmm. first four months so. i am glad that i didn't pick it up on release i, I don't think i would have enjoyed it as much at, as at 60 dollars but just that's the how i picked it and i loved it <laughs> i picked that true um but this is me who was like really bouncing off the series until now it would have helped my view of the series mm-hmm. and then also being able to do all of the stuff now in Hit- hitman 3 without all of the crazy storage space it used to require because mm-hmm. you remember each map pack was individual yeah. it was just so much and i couldn't deal with that but now it's so much lighter um, yeah because they like compress stuff for next gen yeah. they, they did a really good job compressing that file it's crazy to have hitman 1 2 and 3 all together yeah. for 67 gigs exactly That's that it. blows my mind like how did they do it um and then technology <laughs> finally coming in with uh the year two which i believe the not the arcade mode but the the freelancer mode mm-hmm. is coming out in spring which yeah, i found out in, in two months so yeah. i've got a little bit longer to to not burn myself out on it before that comes mm-hmm. in but you can I'm take your break now and it. wait for that new content because you're now in yep. because i'll i'll call it right now like i wasn't as huge a fan of hitman one and two respecting how cool some of the ideas were but i was also in your same camp of there's something there's something cool here but there's also something missing i feel like this could be smoother and three just nailed it that way so that's why it was by especially as someone that's such a stealth aficionado that loves that malleability i felt him and three was just uh, the perfect stealth game for this time so and just that that little bit of less rigidity like you said like you can be stealthy but then i can like be a little more fast and loose but also still stealthy and Mm -hmm. it rewarded me instead of penalizing me and i felt just yeah um it felt great so were you big on absolution uh that was my first of the series actually so i did like it but i did also feel like that game punishes you for killing people so that's why i was wondering if you liked that one because that one all you always had the 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 negative stuff if you knocked someone out unless you hide them i i played through it once because i liked the story enough Mm -hmm. I was like, I have no idea what's going on. Why are there weird BDSM nuns? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was serious. Why is he in a chicken suit? Um, because this, like, even the trailers were showing like the the cop um, abandoned building and stuff, and you were holding the cop hostage and all that craziness. You don't even get your silver ballers. So I was like, all right, this is all right, but I'm kind of confused as to what I thought the series was even about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went back and played like Blood Money or Contracts, mm-hmm. 
and I could only play them with like a companion video tutorial on what to do. Ooh, those games are um, like super obtuse these days. Oh my gosh, I I could not do it. I was on PS3 during that era, um, so it was like, yeah, this is all right. I like the idea of it, but I have no idea what's going on, and they don't a actually introduce you really well. Um, so when Hit Hitman One came out. I, I liked it more than Absolution, I'd say. Even oh, yeah, though Absolution better. has a very good... Like, I remember parts of that game very well for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, like, the weird weed space in that mm -hmm. whole mission. Like I said, the, the spot with all the cops running around. The, um, the Old West area where you could, like, shoot in a gallery to get your mm -hmm. guns back. The yeah. weird wrestling mat mission. Uh, where you got to like unmask the guy uh -huh. so it was like i don't know why it sticks in my mind so well despite the fact that i thought it was very forgettable of a game mm -hmm. um it had cool moments that's why yeah it, it had such great concepts i guess that it stuck with my head but um yeah so that was all that i played alejandro what have you been playing i also have played the pathless in destiny 2 i don't have much to say other than the pathless is Kind of used to add a little bit more because I did play a little bit more than you because I was the one that recommended it to you. What a like, breath of fresh air for me after my experience with Pray for the Gods. Yeah, you said but, it was like the anti-Pray for the oh Gods. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially this game is not quite the you against the Goliaths. It's not, it's not that kind of game, even though like the game kind of separates itself into spe some specific boss fights. But it nails the atmosphere, it nails the eeriness, it, it, it nails the artistry. The things that sticks up with uh, to me for with Shadow of the Colossus, it feels like it's taking the right lessons from that game. While still making it a fun game. Because uh, obviously Shadow of the Colossus, experiencing it for the first time right now, a game from 2005 with a 2018 coat of paint, that's still a 2005 game. This plays like a modern yeah. game, and there's something to be said of how fun it is to just move through that world, and how beautiful it is with uh, its Breath of the Wild style inspirations with the art artistry and display. So I can't wait to Praise play more colors. Yes, exactly. It's just it's just a colorful thing. Like Shadow of the Colossus is like more distilled color. It's like yeah. grayer and like not it's not much. It's a 2005 to it. game. Yes, exactly. So so it's good. It's good to see that. Um, Maybe I will never get another Shadow of the Colossus again in that, that kind of style because of modern expectations, but I'm glad at least the spirit, some developers can still harness it mm. in, in some I way. Agree. Uh, with Destiny 2, I kind of went back just to clean up a bunch of stuff that I hadn't done, like some of the exotic catalysts, which is how you upgrade some of the exotic weapons there for them to have extra perks or the ability to generate orbs, which is going to be deprecated come uh, Witch Queen because they're adding a new armor mod. So I haven't been playing much of that, just uh, wanted to clean up and dry spells when I want to listen to a podcast or something. That's my podcast game sometimes. My mom got COVID, so she basically took took over the living room because she needs to be in a like more open space and the 4K TV is there. So I that's why I didn't play more, more of the Pathless because that's a game that demands to be seen with the previous TV you, you can. So you can really appreciate its grand artistry. But while she was there and she's recovering, like she was like, come hang out with me and play something with me. I was like, yeah, I can put on the Switch. And uh, we play a couple Nintendo games like Super Mario 64, Donkey Kong Country 2, and also Mario Odyssey. I did Mario 64 because that game to me and my mom is like, 
the definition of my childhood when I was three years old. So it was just like huge nostalgia kick. Same as Donkey Kong Country 2. That's like, so the, our memories with those two games of when I was younger was just like a huge jolt of nostalgia. And she watched me um, just speedrun through them. It's so easy to speedrun Donkey Kong Country 2, a very hard game, because the uh, SNES online app allows you to do that the suspend and kind of like re reset stuff if oh, you like mess up. Oh, yeah. So that allowed me to like play through that game in, in such a quick way that she found very entertaining because like, this is so good to see you doing that because it would be very frustrating to see you lose, have to load back into the level and go for, and go from there. Yeah. There's a reason why sometimes those games took forever to beat sometimes back in the yeah. day, despite them not being long. So then I got to speed run through that, speed run through Mario 64 in like two hours. That, but just the 70 stars. I wasn't gonna go for the 120. And uh, that's an interesting experience for me. Like, every time the end credits of that song, like the, the end credits of that game roll and I hear the song and then I see Mario and, and Peach saying goodbye. My mom always tells me she always has that memory of me crying at saying goodbye when I was three years old. It's like the saying goodbye because it was such a special game that I cried again. The, the, like when that happened, just remembering, it's like, yeah. This is like the kind of experience from that you experience in that childhood. Like, there's a reason why people sometimes love nostalgia because it makes you feel good. Yeah. And and it's bittersweet because it's like, oh man, remember when times weren't this hard? We were in the middle of this nonsense where we are. So that by yeah. itself will bring you to tears. I oh, know. absolutely. I think that that, that more than ever. That more than ever right now. And then my mom was like, "Has Mario had like something modern, something that looked like Mario 64?" I was like, "Well, they did Odyssey." And uh, I know that's the one that feels closer to 64. And then she said, oh, show it to me. She was gobsmacked. She was like, I cannot believe how pretty, how cute this game is. And wow. as someone that always says that, I always liked Odyssey. But when I, when I thought about it in the whole pantheon of Mario games, I always thought about it lesser. This experience with them now, it makes me think higher of it. Because it's like, you know what? Nintendo really did another Mario 64 here. Like... The movement is similar. He, Mario even does the thing when you climb the thing and he lifts himself with his, with yeah. his feet on the top. And that wasn't in Sunshine. And I don't remember if that was also in uh, Galaxy. Galaxy. I could be wrong, but that to me, seeing the happiness she felt just me watching that, I was like, you know what? Mario Odyssey is a damn good game. I don't know why I always, I, I let my memories of it sometimes be lower and i think it wasn't because i've beaten many mario games multiple times odyssey does the thing that you can beat it once but then it has so many so many uh, moons that you have to collect and i yeah. never fully collected them so it's like i never had that experience to be able to go through the main story again because how back how there's no reason to mm -hmm. um because so much of the storyline was mm -hmm. yeah the post game was so big that they were like mm -hmm. i don't want to go back reset my moons mm -hmm. to play through that story exactly. again and i think that's why i thought less of it because when you play it other games multiple times you can have better memories than only one that you played once so that i cracked the nut for why i felt that way so but i'm glad because and i have can you imagine an alternate world bear with me um if they had spread out the storyline to require more of those moons mm -hmm. I don't think it nearly would have been as good of a game. Yeah. Because it would have been padding rather than Exactly. And that's why they did it because it's like they made a tight game that you can and then if you want to keep experience more of it, that's why mm -hmm. that back game is. And I think that's brilliant because we have talked many times that many games don't respect your time these days. Yeah. So that one actually does. 
In fact, there's some people saying like, the game's done for me. I kind of like don't want to go back to that. Some people feel that way, but they managed to serve both audiences. And my mom wants me to finish it in front of her. And I can't wait to play because I've been oh. wanting to replay it. And that's going to be a good time because I can't wait for her to see the uh, New Donk, like the New Donk City musical yes. part. Yes. Oh, that's such a high point. She literally, when I showed her the, the point where you could dress Mario as Poncho Mario, and go really? to the secret room where you play. Oh uh, my god! She she lost it. So I was like, Nintendo, you did good with this game. Sorry <laughs> nice for job. me. Yeah, sorry for me not thinking too highly of this one because wow. it's actually special. Final game that I kind of want to mention also because in in the time that my mom was also there, like taking over the living room, she had also been watching a lot of HBO Max. She watched for the first time ever. She had seen the movies before, but never from start to finish. The Lord of the Rings trilogy. Wow. So I got to watch that with her again and kind of like her experiencing those amazing movies again, me again finding a new appreciation for those movies, especially Two Towers. Two Towers yeah. always been my, I love all three, but Two Towers, I'm not, I'm not as high on that one as the other ones, but I'm realizing a lot of memories that I have uh, for that for those movies come from Two Towers. Mm -hmm. The scene that I clipped you guys of the R Arwen's fate. Yeah. When, when, when El Elrond's telling her, it's like, what's going to happen with Aragorn? eventually passes and it really stuck me it's like the artistry the cinematography the music mm. that i finally found is called even star based on like her last name it's like that really struck me like i was like wow there's movies are not as magical as this think yeah. about movies that have that kind of artistry in every frame of it oh and, absolutely uh, everything's a little bit more stale visually so i was like man peter that 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 era of peter jackson was cool Obviously, he had to drink the CGI Kool-Aid later. And yeah. Later. yeah. He, he still thinks that. That's the worst thing. Yeah. He, he's, he's down like, to George Lucas. Oh, I rap. wish I could have <laughs> gone back and like put more CGI in the original trilogy. And mm -hmm. each of us were like, oh my gosh, keep don't, him away from those movies. No, exactly. Don't, don't go the George Lucas route. Don't like tinker what's basically perfect because yeah. those movies are just perfect. That is and, the closest thing to a perfect movie series. Exactly, sure. especially as a trilogy. With The Hobbit having a different name, you can separate that. It's not the Star Wars prequels yep. to Star Wars original trilogy that everyone's yep. like, Star Wars was real. It's like, you can keep them separate, even though they're the same universe. You can just say, The Lord of the Rings trilogy was a perfect trilogy. The Amazon series has a lot of a lot to live up to. They got Howard yep. Shore, though. Is Howard, that the same, same plot line? It's going to be a different plot line. I think it's from the second age because the Lord of the Rings trilogy is from the third age. Right. So, so it's not actually like the real it's not gonna be the stuff movies. that we've yeah. already seen. Okay, good. Because that was what I was the, really afraid of. Yes. But they got a composer. Of the original? Howard Shore is going to compose the series. So I was like, okay, you're in the right track because yeah. okay. a, lot of the, a lot of that movie is defined by its music. You can hear that songs and you know which part. Of the, right. of the music that's how defining that song is so i was in the lord of the rings kick so i was like well i have i haven't played shadow of mortar since 2014 2015 i'll re-download it and play it and uh, a reminder that that was a surprisingly fun game from back there a, a complete shock that was a game that so was much. not was not on my radar it being a licensed game i was like yeah licensed games are hit and miss obviously batman hit oh cool this has the batman combat and I remember, oh, what's his nemesis system? Now, like, back then, it was hard to yeah. wrap my head around it because it's a it little complicated. It was very hard. There were whole videos about, like, what is the nemesis system? 
me- nemesis system mm-hmm. and how does it work and it was oh my gosh it was so complex at first and it only got more complex but yeah oh especially shadow of war shadow of war overcomplicated that system yeah. but that like in that initial entry it was like so perfectly tuned and because now i come in come at it with a different understanding now i'm further exploiting it early on and the thing i'm really appreciating about shadow of mortar is that it came at a time where open world games weren't as big and bloated uh like what we get now so it's yeah. kind of what i mentioned oh crap i forgot oh yeah i've been playing prototype also i'll just throw oh. it out yeah that's actually on my i put it on my wish list to buy uh-huh. it because it's like five or six bucks yes and i am so excited to download that oh, do, do that because i was like prototype one of my biggest heel turns in this show once we did a topic of what would be your dream game and then you mentioned something about prototype and i yeah i was like well why prototype's trash and you got so angry like, about that what? yeah you shut your mouth you told me it was one of those 2020 <laughs> episodes that you can go back it's in our playlist there not an audience. I want it so. to be known. I wasn't actually angry. I, I want people no. to know that. <laughs> but that's the thing. But, I feel because I've grown uh, so tired of what open world games have become, but going back to old ones when yeah. they were not big, it's like they're tantalizing. And Prototype showed me that. Shadow Mortar showed me that. I was like, no, I do like open world games. I just don't like them bloated ass. So. Mm. Yeah, it's like, I can't wait to play more of Shadow More because I was like, oh yeah, I, have, I never did the side content of this thing and now I'm doing it. It's like, there's more to this than I gave it credit for. So, can't wait to play more of Shadow Mortar while we wait for the release um, Tsunami. So, Paul, that's all that we've been we've been playing. We got a handful of news to go over. and Yes, we do. Remember? Press X. For the news. <laughs> All right, Paul. So after we posted last week, um, it was our episode of our most anticipated games. I think it was. Oh, no, it, it was, we recorded because we posted that later. Yes. Uh, because we recorded early due to um, MLK Day. So I was like, yeah, let's record it early because we're recording on Tuesdays usually. I think I, I made a joke about there. It's like, let's see what this, what kind of news drops on us now that we because we didn't do news the first two episodes. Yep. Literally the day after. We already thought that there was going to be a lot to talk about, and uh, the next day. <laughs> yes, the biggest bomb dropped. You may or may have not noticed, but the biggest acquisition in gaming history happened exactly a week ago. Microsoft entered an agreement to buy the scandal-shrouded, beleaguered publisher Activision Blizzard in an all-cash transaction in the amount of $68.7 billion. We want to note... We did an initial reaction to the announcement. If you want to see our initial thoughts, it's in the it's Go in audio it. service. Yeah, it's in the audio services. It's also in YouTube. We spoke for an hour over the ramifications of that deal, the initial ramifications before we got uh, we knew more. Since then, more details have come out of uh, to the light as as for how the deal came to be and what could be some ramifications of this acquisition. So, number one in those, the deal happened after Activision Blizzard actually approached Microsoft. To basically bail them out in the wake of the Wall Street Journal expose on CEO Bobby Kotick. After, wa- after waiting to see if anyone would outbid the transaction, the deal was made. It was initially announced that Bobby Kotick would remain CEO of Activision Blizzard when this was initially announced. However, more details have come out that he's expected to leave from this position when the deal closes at the end of Microsoft's fiscal year 2022-2023 and they pass the regu- their regulatory checks. Kotick will basically receive a golden parachute exit of approximately 680 
million dollars when Activision Blizzard officially becomes part of the newly christened Microsoft Gaming under new CEO Phil Spencer. Before we move on from that, Paul, what do you think of that? It was like this whole thing happened because Activision was like, "Come buy us." <laughs> It's so frustrating mm -hmm. because I can see the lines between these dots showing how Activision Blizzard was so desperate for a bailout that they're basically going around to all the biggest companies saying, help us take on all of this stuff, take on the responsibility, get the cops off our backs, mm -hmm. basically, and public eye. And because they didn't want to resign, those stupid, like, high C-suite execs that they backed Kotick after that. Yeah. We, we talked about that uh, expose where we, it was revealed. He was, he knew about the sexual harassment of, in some of his biggest studios, and he fought to keep those guys in because the Call of Duty, um, basically, assembly line couldn't be stopped. So, it, despite him saying, no, I didn't know all of that was happening under me. I'm gonna take a pay cut just to try to fix stuff, even though he already he always knew. So, yeah, that's what's so insane that that was that instead of them taking the high road and be like, no, we're leaving and have those golden parachutes, they had to go to someone else to give them a bigger golden parachute. And of course, Microsoft was gonna buy it because they're in the business of uh, feeding the monster that is Game Pass, and that opportunity arrived to them. So. Because I used to be frustrated about um, rules and the concept of them. And mm -hmm. I was like, why don't we just have a truly free market? And uh, then it made me realize that if you don't have these crazy amounts of regulations, people like this mm -hmm. will use every trick in the book to try to get out of being responsible mm -hmm. for bad stuff happening that they caused. Exactly. And they just, <laughs> they won't own up to it. And that drives me up a wall especially the fact that this guy's going to get off with 680 million dollars to get to retire in peace mm -hmm. after all On the top crap of he did everything he's earned in the almost 30 years he's like yeah he's been with activision so that would burn me up if i was one of those victims oh my goodness i would be hunting him down yes but unfortunately that's capitalism it's like mm -hmm. Obviously, what everyone has been wanting was for activision to get under this thumb of the endless call of duty cycle like literally we we read all the studios names that activision owns yeah and all the ip that they own and how everything kind of came down to they just had to keep feeding the call of duty beast that has have been slipping for a few years now in quality despite it still being one of the best-selling games of the year just like i didn't put it in the news here but npds came out and vanguard and black ops cold war were the number one number two best-selling games of 2021 That beast is massive even as it stumble or is not as big as he used to. And uh, Microsoft basically taking in and coming in to save Activision. It's like, it's a bittersweet moment because they're saving it by rewarding the, uh, the whatchamacallit, the CEO that was there. So obviously there's talks to be had about moral grandstanding. Obviously we talked about yeah. the, uh, yeah, we're the... Here's MCO and here's all the diversity, even though there wasn't many. Now that I really think about that, and yeah, here's our pronouns, uh, and uh, yeah. so it's like always everyone that wants to like champion that always have to be like, yeah, corporations are not, they're morally rot. So yeah, um, answer me <laughs> this real quick. 
how what's to stop Microsoft from continuing the whole Call of Duty train? Because they bought this and they're mm. gonna say, Oh, we just wanna keep it yearly. We don't care what goes on, just keep making it happen. Yeah. Um because everyone's like getting, I think, blindly optimistic mm -hmm. about this. That is going to stop. Once, once but they're they like, acquire. oh, yeah, they're going to stop it now because they have so many options. I was like, bro, you seen corporations? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I feel the know. only way this would... Uh, obviously, it depends what Microsoft wants to do. Like, obviously, Call of Duty is such a huge earner. And right. the impact that it, it, Call of Duty has even on other platforms, we're going to talk in our the second part of this thing. Um I feel like right right now the problem was that um, with technology the way it's been growing and all that and active and Activision always demanding that a game always has to come out every year, every yeah. like it's, it's they're the only publishers that were all in on annualization with everything they had, and when the annualization wouldn't work on anything they would just like destroy it and can it, they wouldn't want to like take enough years in between. Maybe what Microsoft could do now is because obviously. Activision threw every studio under their umbrella to, into Call of Duty to make that thing work. Mm -hmm. Maybe what Microsoft will do now that we know that they're a trillion dollar capped company, they have the money to spend. Maybe what, what they'll do is that they're going to back to the old ways of this. This games used to be only handled by one studio. The Infinity War games were done by the Infinity War uh, studio, the Treyarch ones. Then they obviously they added Sledgehammer and, uh, Maybe what they're gonna do is give them a little bit more time to breathe, because they don't they don't care about annualization. They're gonna maybe take all these support studios that used to do their own thing. Maybe now they're gonna be able to work on other stuff without having to stop the Call of Duty train. Maybe they're gonna make it a biannual franchise. That wouldn't mind because people play it. You know what showed me to me that Call of Duty could be a biannual no problem. Look at Modern Warfare. Yeah. 2019 Modern Warfare. People still play Modern Warfare. Yeah. To this day, even in 2021. So it's like I think if you put the right amount of polish into it, people will keep playing it, and then it makes it easier to create mm -hmm. post-launch content for something that already exists. Make a story expansion. Nobody cares. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you've yeah. got the engine. You've got the stuff. Or just keep there. supporting it with to... maps beyond just one year. Maybe exactly. that's how they're gonna they're gonna ease off on the pedal of constant releases. Because now Microsoft is going to reap all the benefits for, from this, right. like, money-wise. And, like, all microtransactions could go through that, like, go directly to them. It's like, they were, they're not going to be... The amount of money Warzone was doing was almost dwarfing what Activision was doing just by selling the game. So maybe that's what they're going to do. God damn I think it. that's you hear my dog? very something here and there, yes. yeah. Okay. But it's not a big deal. Um, the next part that you were talking about, what was that about? Okay, so... So part two of this, in the wake of the acquisition, questions have risen up about the future of Activision Blizzard titles appearing on non-Xbox platforms, re-emerging some of the same talking points that happened when Microsoft acquired Cinemax back in September 2020, and for what the future of the once multi-platform games would be like under the new regime. The biggest talking point has been around, like we mentioned, Call of Duty, which as of now remains the biggest selling game year on year. I mentioned number one and number two of 2021 and has led with sales on PlayStation compared to Xbox. Look at those breakdowns. PlayStation has been making the money with the box copies sold. While initially, Phil Spencer did the usual PR speak addressing players on Sony platforms about how it's not his intention to bring communities on other platforms, more has developed since then. PlayStation's market value dropped an astonishing 13%, basically losing $20 billion in market value in the process, following the Microsoft acquisition announcement. 
which prompted Sony to deliver a strong slash fearful statement to the Wall Street Journal where they expect Microsoft to honor previous contracts and agreements <laughs> with Activision Blizzard and expect their future games to remain multi-platform. Sometime after that statement, Phil Spencer tweeted the following. Had good calls with this week with leaders at Sony. I confirm our intent to honor all existing agreements upon acquisition of Activision Blizzard and our desire to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation. Sony's an important part of our industry and we value our relationship. Okay, Phil. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Phil. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I mean, I would say that at least for the foreseeable future, I still think Call of Duty is going to stay on the PlayStation as well. Um, because I think just from the sheer amount of goodwill they would lose mm -hmm. if they did it, plus business, mm -hmm. I don't, because there's not going to turn everybody that plays Call of Duty into playing it on mm -hmm. Xbox. Yeah. They're never going to do that. Um, and just like you said, how Microsoft is so much of an America and American mm -hmm. platform, um, they would lose the entire world market. Exactly. Because so many people play on Sony or PC. I mean, mm -hmm. well, yeah, that wouldn't affect them for PC, but still, it's. <clears throat> I don't like how um, lacking in uh, clarity. Yeah, there it is. Clarity <laughs> that he is um, where he's just like, I mean, Sony is panicking. They're just saying, like, good Lord, please just say that you're going to try. Just mm -hmm. we need to survive until <laughs> you actually put the nails in our coffin mm -hmm. um, because everyone it looked like was willing to jump ship with that 13% people don't think about 13% as a lot but I, I'm glad you listed the 20 billion, billion dollars that is 13% to Sony yeah that is so much <laughs> um my gosh I mean if Sony had a little bit more billions they could have bought <laughs> Activision yes. mm -hmm. Blizzard with that loss oh yeah but they're not in the money. They're not in the business to spend that kind of money compared to Microsoft. Apparently, they're not in the business of making money either, based on some of their practices. But well, PlayStation makes money. Like Sony makes money off of PlayStation, nothing else. PlayStation is the oh, only yeah. thing that keeps Sony afloat. What else are they gonna do? Make Spider-Man movies? Yeah. <laughs> One point eight billion dollars for No Way Home right now. So they're gonna they're rely like very heavily on. <laughs> Morbius and Venom and other very obscure Spider-Man villains from the 90s. Uh, I'm waiting for that Spawn remake. Anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah, but oh. I think what's interesting is the word desire. Because, yeah, you yeah. can desire something. Are you committing? A desire is not a commitment. Yeah. I will say, though, that uh, because everyone goes back to the Cinemax deal. And whenever that finally solidified, Phil Spencer went on that stream with Bethesda and they were like, we're honoring all the previous agreements and all the previous games that were there. They're now shutting down. Like those communities are still going to be supported. But the core of this deal is that we wanted to, uh, we, we wanted to provide great new exclusive games for Xbox platforms. And everywhere there is a game pass, uh, that game pass where every platform that has, um, access to game pass and, and then to be fair to Microsoft, it's like when you everything's in the Microsoft umbrella, it's like the possibility of playing something on Game Pass through xCloud, through your iPad, your phone, a PC, the two Xboxes that they sell, the Xbox Series X and the S, especially the S, how easy of entry it is and how widely available it usually is compared to the Series X. So there's ways to, there's many ways to play games that are on the Xbox platform compared to PlayStation that if they have an exclusive, you have to buy a PlayStation 5 or PlayStation 4. So 
Sony's a more, more of a walled garden. At the same time, uh, the big difference here is that Call of Duty is the biggest selling game in the entire world. That never stops. It hasn't stopped unless there's a Red Dead Redemption or a GTA releasing in a given year. Unless that happens, Call of Duty has been like at the top. That's a lot of money. And facts are facts. Call of Duty has been making their money with PlayStation. Activision made the, con the marketing contact, uh, contract deals with PlayStation. They have Call of Duty League. Call of Duty League has been like associated with PlayStation. There's like a bunch of contracts that have to be honored. So I can see the scenario where right now everything that Microsoft is gaining once this deal just goes through. Everything else will remain on Xbox, but Call of Duty is going to get the Minecraft treatment. A game yep. so big that they're, it's better for them to like keep it everywhere. And there's also been talks that what if this is the leverage that Microsoft will gain to allow Game Pass or a version of Game Pass over on PlayStation? Because that's their goal. They always, like, we, we read this in, in our reacts last week. They didn't say how many consoles they've sold. What did they mention? We have gained 25 million Game Pass subscribers, up from 18, the, pre yeah. the, the last reported numbers. They're all about growing that Game Pass uh, number. It's like console sales are almost incidental. It's like if they're selling a lot on consoles, that's great. That's not what we care for. We care about the ongoing revenue that is subscriptions. So, and and there was like, do you remember the Apple, uh, the, the Apple Epic battle? Remember that, like the, the uh, yes, lawsuit yeah, that then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, then when they went on court discovery, that when they went on discovery, they, all these emails went live. Mm -hmm. One of the emails actually had a Microsoft, a Microsoft rep talking with Tim Sweeney, the guy from Epic, saying that it is Microsoft's goal to have Game Pass everywhere. That's what they want. Now you just imagine. Now they're like, now Microsoft can come to the table, and be like. We're taking away your biggest seller every year. The game you're making the most money from third-party sales. But what if you can still have those games, but you're getting them through our Game Pass subscription and you get a little cut from it? I can imagine right now Sony that has been relying on that, relying on it so much that you rarely see anything from Sony during the fall. Because that's when Call of Duty has been. We mentioned it's probably to me as a PlayStation primary PlayStation player. The worst part about the PS4 generation four was how in bed Sony got in Call of Duty that they got so comfortable and not releasing anything from themselves in the later half of the year. It was always we saw that play out in 2021 after Kena, after Kena, um, Sony closed shop. They were like, "Yep, yeah, we're done. Here's your Call of Duty. See you until February when Horizon's out." And what did it happen? Microsoft souped in and they're like, oh, no one's playing. We are playing. Here's Forza. Here's Halo, which, by the way, even on Game Pass, Halo sold number two in December. Was the second best selling game of, hey. uh, of December. So it's like you can't make an excuse anymore. So maybe that's going to put them in the back, like between a rock and a hard place, not having Call of Duty. But uh, maybe those contracts are so ironclad that Microsoft will have to honor them and keep Call of Duty as the one thing that will remain multi-platform for them, but I already went through that song and dance with Bethesda because I was like, $7.5 billion, how are they going to make their money back? Obviously, they're going to put everything on everything, right? They're like, nope, Starfield, Xbox exclusive, as soon as uh, the deal closed. But that was $7.5 billion, this is $68.7 billion, so it's way more money. So, yeah. And also, Microsoft loves money. So, 
maybe that's going to be the future. Everything else, Crash Bandicoot, Tony Hawk, uh, Diablo, Overwatch. Well, Diablo and Overwatch are interesting because they were announced for PS4. Same as like when um, Psychonauts 2 was announced I mean, for ps4 things have been announced for that and then disappeared off of that option you remember what was it that oh it was like two or three years ago something was announced for certain consoles and then they were just like no we're just gonna change that one and i don't remember what it was yeah not at the top of my head but um considering active the overwatch 2 and diablo 4 are under activision blizzard and activision had a relationship with sony I wonder if those are the ones that they're going to honor, but everything that's new, literally everything that's new, that's going to be over on Xbox. But yeah. I, I said it in our reacts, it's like, just to have the peace of mind, if you're in the PlayStation side of things and love playing these games, mm -hmm. say your piece, start saving up, find a way to get into the Microsoft ecosystem, whether it's on PC or through a Series S, if you're trying to, if you're trying to um, get there without spending too much money obviously if you're on ps5 you already spent 500 dollars. you may not want to spend another 500 for the series x unless you're crazy or have the disposable income but yes yeah, like just start making peace that eventually you're not going to be able to play it on playstation unless somehow microsoft's desire to keep call of duty on playstation beyond just warzone is going to be like a permanent thing i mean minecraft dungeons came out way later than minecraft it made sense when Minecraft was on PlayStation, but they still put Minecraft Dungeons, a different game, on PlayStation, so who knows? But don't, instead, don't grow white hair hoping if you're in that community. So. Yeah. Well, number two, oh. and I, yeah, so moving on from the uh, from the acquisition, Paul, this one broke today while I was writing the news. Number two, even despite everything that's happening with the company and its two flagship titles, Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 being delayed relatively indefinitely, Blizzard did the unusual move to announce that they're actually working on an all-new survival game in an all-new universe. It's worth noting the game doesn't even have a title yet, and it was announced literally as a bunch of job listings. Only other thing of note is that it's a game coming to both PC and console, not consoles, with the, with the, later, with the latter's vagueness implying this can be an Xbox exclusive under the new Blizzard regime post-deal closing. This will mark the first time Blizzard announces a new franchise for them after Overwatch in 2016, which is notable as Overwatch came to be after their MMO spiritual follow-up to World of Warcraft, Titan, was cancelled in 2013, and its characters and concepts got rejiggered into what became Overwatch. So, I am shocked to realize that 2016 was six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had to do the math while you were talking. I was like, wait a second. I almost I said five years, out. but no, we're in 2022. No, so it's been we're six in years six now. Overwatch. Oh my god! And the last um, time Blizzard released anything of consequence. Yeah. Not I, Cold Warcraft 3 Reforged. The worst. I know, right? Um, they did nothing at all in that time uh, besides, mm -hmm. like, maybe some post-launch content. They did four years expansions. of Overwatch. They did four years of Overwatch content. For the original one, then because activity, yeah, it was releasing new characters and That's all true. that. That's true. They so. did add a few. Um, the guy with bare feet for some reason, and <laughs> I don't know what's going on over there. Um, and then they like briefly announced Overwatch two and all that. Um, announced to appease the whole Blitzchum garbage that happened. <laughs> and um, I know they were doing some stuff with. Uh, well, of course, like your Diablos. Diablo um, Mortal. Do you do? Do you guys have phones? 
Remember that? Jeez. That's still not out. Immortal is still not out. At least they did um, the... Was it 2 remastered that came out already? They did Diablo 2 Reforged, but that wasn't Blizzard. That was Vicarious Visions. Right. And then what was the Diablo 4 that still that's has... That's coming. Yeah, that's still coming. Okay. And uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Warcraft 3 Reforged was the other thing that came out from there, and it was garbage. Yeah. One of the like the worst remastered works ever done. Okay. Jeez. And then, yeah, just anything involving Warcraft that is, uh, mm-hmm. yikes. Uh, wow, man, they really haven't done a whole lot. Because mm-hmm. when you were saying that, I was just like, no, there's got to be something. I'm trying to rack nope. my brain, whatever it was, <laughs> and new. No. Wow. Um, I say like the creative in me is like good for them because at least they're like putting out something but Mm -hmm. this also strikes me as if you're saying all it's announced is by job listings that Mm -hmm. means this is so early Mm -hmm. in the process that it's not even actually an announcement this this is the exact same stuff that like star wars games would get canned Mm -hmm. like years after this point so the fact that people are like guys it's okay they're working on a new game it's like no that's they're not working on a new game they just got the green light from the stack of submissions Mm. from all their unpaid interns and they (laughs) grabbed one and said yeah okay let's green light that put some job listings out and say that we're working on it Mm. that's basically all this is um and it means nothing to me really and blizzard notorious for taking forever to make games remember when the wait from diablo 2 to diablo 3 originally was 12 years where I I still to this day I'm like wait there's only three Diablo games I feel like that's been so long since I've been around that there's got to be more than that um but yeah that just that doesn't sit right with me and um I feel like it's just them saying oh blip business as usual under the new regime mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I yeah. can definitely feel the timing is peculiar that they're doing it now post the announcement because with everyone knowing what's happening in the exodus of talent that Blizzard has suffered since the lawsuit came to be and them also kicking a lot of leads that were perpetrators of of sexual harassment and all of that. This wouldn't have played well if they had done this in the middle of all the scandal they got last year. This works now because this game is not going to come out until probably 2030. Keep that in mind because of how long it took because Diablo 4 and Overwatch 2 are still not out. So this is after that we don't even know when these other two are gonna come out so it makes sense because when the ink dries and they're finally at microsoft studio maybe now they'll they'll have a different pr shift where people are gonna be like okay the all the horrible people are gone kodic is gone like and and his board of directors now we're under the good guys under microsoft maybe it's now it's good to apply and go work at blizzard again so i can kind of see that but just the timing is peculiar but hey, yeah. it's a new thing. And the thing that's interesting with the Blizzard is that every time they announce a new game, it's a different genre. They rarely do things in the same genre. They only have one MMO. They have one looter. They had a, one MOBA, Heroes of the Storm, that they had to close because no one else was playing it. And they got a shooter. Now they're doing a survival game. So yeah. in all those games that they've done, they've done really well. Let's not, like, underestimate how big Overwatch was. I mean, don't underestimate the power of their marketing budget. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only reason... Well, you know, at that and the porn, but uh, that's the only reason any of that ever got popular. Um, but, 
I think part of it was lightning in a bottle, and part of it was just a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And then the paying best a lot CG of to trailer for their the game. Business. Oh yeah, those yeah. CG trailers. They that almost got me to play Diablo when mm-hmm. I when I would watch those CG trailers. I was like, yo, that's what happens in the game. This is awesome. And then I looked at the game and it, it... top down. <laughs> I mean, like, not to trash on it because I do love Diablo's really good. I'll fight you on that. I love Diablo. (laughs) It is, but I'm just saying, like, when you look at that, it's like you know those mobile game advertisements where Mm -hmm. you're like, this isn't the game. Exactly. Yeah, I I will. I will concede that. But the game that Diablo is is really good. It's so addictive. That was also like 13 year old Paul. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, this. This is snobbery. No, so you're talking about the 13 year old Paul that Stranger of Paradise would have been the greatest game of all time. Roughly, yes. Uh, (laughs) By the way, people, watch the new trailer for Stranger of Paradise. Watch the trailer. It's It's amazing. (laughs) It's a trip. Good lord. (laughs) Oh, game. Stranger of Paradise. God damn it. I love you so much. And I hate that I I love you. Um, I hate it (laughs) so much, but it. It just looks fun. Yes. Anyway. Number three, Paul. Uh, so moving on from the macros of an Activision of, of it all, we're going to good guy EA for the moment because they're not having quite a scandal unless your Battlefield 2042, which your trash fire, continuous trash fire. Um, despite their original 10-year agreement coming to an end on 2023, EA is still committing to a working relationship with Lucasfilm Games and has announced Respawn Entertainment is developing three new Star Wars games for the coming years. Number one, the first of these is the official sequel to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order under director Stig Agnuson, director of the first game and more famously known for directing 2010's God of War 3 on PlayStation 3, and finally marks the official confirmation of the game after a couple years of staff hirings and rumors and speculation. No confirmation of a release year yet, although reporter Jeff Grubb did confirm a couple weeks ago the likelihood of a late 2022 early 2023 release window. Number two, Respawn is also working on a new Star Wars game more fit to the studio's own bread and butter, first-person shooters. While barely any details are known about this coming project other than it's not a new EA Battlefront and that the team who worked on the VR game Medal of Honor above and beyond is the one in charge of it, thanks Jeff Grubb, the most tantalizing aspect of it is its director, Peter Hirschman, or Hirschman, I don't know how you say that. I'll call him Hirschman. Hirschman previously last worked as Vice President of Development at LucasArts prior to the Disney acquisition, and his dev acumen notes he was the executive producer on both the original Star Wars Battlefront games made alongside now-defunct studio Pandemic in the PS2 Xbox era. The ones we love, Paul. And also was the one who originally announced Star Wars Battlefront 3 being worked on by Uh. Radical Entertainment back in 2006, a game that was eventually cancelled when Free Radical went under. Star uh, Hirschman also had some involvement in the fan-beloved original Star Wars The Force Unleashed. So great director doing this first-person shooter. Work has just begun on the title, so expect at least a few years for this one. Also of note, apparently this is a different single-player first-person shooter project than one previously reported by Grub that's a new property over at Respawn. It was being made by Mohammed Alabi, who famously designed the controversial Modern Warfare 2 level No Russian, and left the project earlier this month. That project was expected for like 2024 and 2025. And finally, number three. The third game announced here will be a Star Wars strategy game, but the notable thing is that Respawn is not fully developing it, but it's producing it alongside Studio Bitreactor, which according to their Twitter description, it's a new independent AAA video game studio founded by developers of XCOM and Civilization 
with a mission to create genre-defining games experiences. Considering with, uh, the last notable Star Wars strategy game was Empire at War, it'll be interesting to see how this new strategy game under this known talent shakes up. Paul, what are your thoughts? This is... um. All right, so I'm going to start off with my own mm -hmm. personal thoughts. Um, boy, am I excited. Yes. Um, <laughs> More Star Wars games. <laughs> I Yes, thank God. This is what we've been looking for for like... I, I wasted Forever. 10 years of my mm -hmm. life waiting for stuff like this to be announced and coming out finally. And I mean, granted, this is like barely a step or two above what I just clowned on mm -hmm. with Blizzard because it's like, oh yeah, we're working on something. It's like, all right, well, come talk to me when we actually see it. But... Um, at the same time, I feel like the stuff that's talking about this, the people that are talking about it are a lot more uh, trustworthy mm -hmm. and I trust Respawn. I'm also always really surprised at how big Respawn apparently is to be able to work on all of this and the maintenance for um, Apex freaking Apex Legends mm -hmm. and whatever else they're doing. Um, I really hope this is a set of passion projects where mm -hmm. they said, hey, we want to work for these specific things um, and that they're not just being forced to do it um, because that's, I mean, that's usually not a great thing, but at least they're working on more first person shooters for them specifically. Mm -hmm. that's their However, um, the fact that Respawn is the name doesn't mean that's just what they're good at because as you saw at the... Um, the strategy one they're hiring a lot of different talent from all over the place mm -hmm. that have a lot of really great talent and they're not hiring the talent um, they're partnering with a studio that has that talent okay yeah that's what i meant um where they're not just working under their own knowledge and their own power they're willing to work with other people to put out a game that's better than just the sum of their parts um and i mean you could do far worse than studios founded by the developers of XCOM and Civilization. Like the those are two spots where it's like if you want strategy, you want mm -hmm. economics, that's where you're going. Because oh, those yeah. boys <laughs> have been working on that for a long time. And both of those things made me very excited because Civilization is one of the most robust economic systems out there, which means mm -hmm. you know they're going to be putting some menus in that sucker. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, XCOM. We've talked at length about that one, but I cannot fault XCOM for how good its strategy aspect mm -hmm. is. So, I mean, that's that might honestly, at a glance, be the one that I'm the most excited about because mm -hmm. I adored Empire at War. I played that game so much. Um, the Galactic whatever takeover conquest version of it um, that I'll just continue to talk about for a minute because freaking you could take over as the empire you could build your ships you could build your soldiers you could have darth vader himself walking out on the battlefield and you could bring in the freaking death star to literally blow up planets it was so game. cool <laughs> if you can't do that in this game that is a step back but my gosh like i remember i would do space battles and in order to like make sure that it was still a game you had to fight for a certain amount of time and it would have a countdown and then you could hit the death star button and it would just vaporize the planet and it was so cool once i got to that point um and man like just the scope of star wars is so well built for stuff like that mm -hmm. but it's so perfectly built for everything on this list the first person shooters the strategy and then jedi fallen order which we have known mm -hmm. that's the only reason i'm not talking about it as much is because we know they've proven themselves with that first one and, we and they just about, need the budget uh, and they need the time on mm -hmm. it exactly and i will buy all of it 
Um, so yeah, just give us more than ponchos, please. Yeah, uh, that's all I'll say. And fix Seer's face, and we're we're pretty much and, good. And, and at fix that the T posing that even in the next impressions is still there. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's crazy to me that that was never able to be fixed there. But yeah, I'm just excited that finally uh, we know that it's officially announced now from EA. Yeah, this is coming. Yeah. When though? When is this Jedi Fallen Order sequel coming? Obviously, Grub already yes. said late 2022, early 2023. I can see EA in some way trying to push this for 2022 because it's EA. What else do they have? They don't have a battlefield yeah. this year, and last year's battlefield was a disaster. Ugh. So, <laughs> so, who knows? And they've done this in. They've taken more time doing this one than the previous. Than Jedi Fallen Order. Jedi Fallen Order had little. Had a lot of pre production, but little, little actual production. The production of that first game was rushed, and EA didn't care initially. It was like. They were all about Battlefront. Yeah, they were trying to say Battlefront because in their minds and in the the money covers were always the no, these are the games that are gonna give us money. They're gonna get all the right. budget. And, and then freaking Jedi Fallen Order outselling all of that. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yes, because that was still when everyone thought that single player wasn't gonna be good anymore. And Jedi Fallen Order freaking trashed all over that. Oh, absolutely. Thank <laughs> God that worked because that not only changed things at EA, I think it changed a lot of stuff with the AAA development industry mm -hmm. entirely. Um, and I am just I'm so glad Jedi Fallen Order happened. Even like I'll I'll make fun of parts of it. Mm -hmm. But I'm so glad it exists exactly the way it is. Mm -hmm. um, man, I'm so fun. Uh, do you have any other thoughts? But yeah, the shooter. Just I'm glad that they're bring the director for this first-person shooter. Just knowing that he had a hand in some of my favorite Star Wars games from the PS2 era, and yes. in, in some way the only good one from the PS3 360 era. That's really cool because it's like they're just not hiring everyone to make a Star Wars game. They hire people that you know have made have been part of the good era star wars games that we really like so now just imagine are you doing a bad batch game are you doing another republic commando is that what this year the endless possibilities and oh, yeah. a first person shooter in star wars again star wars is the property that can it work so, so well in so many different literally genres. everything <laughs> so i like everything from all of these more traditional things to a freaking card game and knights of the old republic was more mm -hmm. robust than some of the games that you will buy for 60 bucks mm -hmm. uh, anyway um and on top of that this is not the only star wars we're getting we're getting still the no. Ubisoft open world game. We're getting the KOTOR remake. We're getting yep. the uh, uh, Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga that finally had its trailer revealed as coming sooner in April twenty in April fifth. It's like and that's the showing it did that could be the dream Star Wars game for everyone and it's in Lego form. There's like so many recipes of Star Wars we're getting now, and it all happened because not only one publisher is doing this. I'm glad now Disney smarted up. They took the Marvel games approach and oh, yeah. sent it all over the place. You get more variety there. And I'm really hoping. And the Quantic Dream Eclipse game, the action adventure with choices thing. Yeah. That's also that's another right. one. So, mm -hmm. a lot of Star Wars. Better than having to hope for the Battlefront games and then hearing the million cancellations yeah. happening over at EA. Because so. then there's less expectations, I think, on each individual one. Because mm -hmm. EA had to carry all of it in that one battlefront. And of course, it's not going to mm -hmm. please everybody. But if you get a small game of a, so many different varieties in that, 
you get less expectations on any one of them and then therefore everyone gets pleased or at least has more of a chance of it now i wanted to bring up one thing before we moved on mm -hmm. um somebody likened the like let's go macro little spaced out a bit and consider the idea of how this could be likened to activision blizzards absorbing other developers to work on call of duty oh. Except switch out Call of Duty and put Star Wars. Because the the point that they made and the one that I think is at least valid enough to mention is that Star Wars is so large that EA and other companies are kind of cobbling together whatever they can to just feed this one IP rather mm -hmm. than creating something. Yeah, I, I, I see what you mean. Um, and I think it's it is at least worth mentioning because just because we like the property might not it shouldn't at least let it completely off the hook for the fact that we are still seeing a company absorb so many resources for one ip uh go ahead so it's interesting you mentioned it because when the original ea deal happened ea did that it yeah. threw a bunch of all of its developers into star wars dice visceral respawn dice couldn't really handle battlefront really well uh, because they had to handle Battlefield. It's Battle uh, Battlefront 1, the 2015 one, suffered because they spent an extra year trying to fix the mess that was Battlefield 4. That then by the time they finally fixed it, that took them a good part of a year, the new movie was already re uh, announced, and they w and they absolutely needed that synergy of being the Star Wars game available at the time when Force Awakens hype was at, the, at its height. Oh so, gosh, can you so, imagine if a real game came out right when that was happening? Mm -hmm. Not just the it one we got. Well, that huh. it was like only one era, four planets, full price yeah. game, and then everything else was gonna be added with a fifty dollar season pass. It's like at its core, that game was good, but it felt so thin. It was kind of insulting. And then obviously Battlefront 2, they had a little bit more time to work on that one, but of course Greed got the better of EA and they're like, this is Star Wars, so we're gonna monetize the hell out of this and people are gonna be excited for all this monetization. And then that became the flashpoint for loot boxes and all the good work from that Battlefront game because that game had at its core, a really good core down the toilet. And then of course them having to always kind of, that period, just think about it, Battlefield 5 suffered because they needed to remove uh, the loot box fiasco from Battlefield, from built Battlefront. the whole game around it. Mm -hmm, exactly, and then they didn't have enough time to finish Battlefield 5 and that game had to needed to come out. So, oh yeah, we're releasing it as an early access, but we're not calling it early access. All this content is going to be added over time. No, it's like they just didn't have time to finish it. And we talk ad nauseum what happened to 2042. Yeah. So, and Visceral, that one of the three that I was more excited for because it was the Amy Hennig game, the Uncharted, that was going to yep. be the Uncharted Star Wars game. That, destroy that studio 1313 and that just one all you need to say exactly <laughs> that one alone died. will live just yeah mm. to me that will always suck because when LucasArts was still a thing they had a lot of work on 1313 they just needed yeah. to push it through the finish yep. line they went to visceral it was like we, yep. we now that you have the license here's our work just take it and finish it then this was like and no we'll no. do our own and they ended oh. up being killed. <laughs> so, oh man, it's obviously that respawn came in. Like, obviously that Titan, they didn't. From all the studios, when respawn got the Star Wars game at the time, EA didn't even own respawn. They had a partnership with respawn. So yeah. that's the game that received the most minimal marketing, the less money, and that's the one that came out on top. 
and shifted EA completely. So yeah, big big stuff from there. And now I'm hoping I have big hopes for the sequels. Like it's so funny that they finally announced this because I put this as my number five most anticipated game of 2022 on faith, and my faith in Jeff Grubb was proven right. <laughs> but, that is true. But and he, at he, least he, he did say late 2023. So. I was I could still yeah. eat crow on that one. But. I mean, you never know, but at least you won't be off by a lot. And I'm really hoping that your optimism wins out this round. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that. that was that was all I wanted to add for that mm-hmm. one. Um, did you have any other extra last mm-hmm. thoughts or all right? Nothing else. Thank God for Star Wars right now. Amen. So final story, Paul. Is PlayStation is PlayStation backwards compatibility actually close to happening? Ever since the initial report of the upcoming Project Spartacus, which we talked about in our final episodes of 2021, you can go check that out. Uh, featuring a tier that includes full backwards compatibility from PS1 through PS3, people have been wondering when will Sony officially confirm, because this was only sourced reports, not an official thing, their answer to both Xbox Game Pass and a, fe- and a feature that has been percolating on Xbox consoles since 2015. That's when that, they announced backwards compatibility. At least with backwards compatibility, it seems more should be known soon. Last night, from when we were recording, if you were to check your trophy lists, suddenly you would find icons of untitled PS3 games in your list, when before you could only see PS4 and PS5 trophies. Hmm. When you couple this with the fact that the UK version of the PS Store started listing the PS3 Prince of Persia titles that were not even available for something like PS Now, with prices listed before they removed those listings, it makes you wonder if we're witnessing publicly Sony testing something that they're for their backend for the eventuality of this much requested feature finally happening for PS3 games and next gen. Remember, PlayStation 3 has been an almost permanent pain point for any backwards compati- compatibility attempt by Sony thanks to its initial eclectic, horrid architecture. By the way, recent things like the renewal of a 10-year-old patent by Sony which mentions the ability to simulate old consoles with some CPU trickery. Maybe that's a signal this nightmare is almost over for the people in the Sony side. If, if there is anything that could do it, it would be the PS5. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we've seen, the stuff that was so hard on the foundations and fundamentals of game development have been completely upended with the power of these new consoles. Um, second, Emulation has been a thing for so long, mm-hmm. and I'm so sick of these developers ignoring its existence. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really hope that this is basically going to be their response to it. My biggest fear associated with that is that it is not going to be like Xbox's backwards compatibility, mm-hmm. where if you have the disc, you could pop it in and then you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, or the digital game. You or the digital, yeah, the, um, where it you'll pop it in and it downloads a digital version of it for mm-hmm. free. Um, where this one, they'll either say, hey, pay a subscription like the Nintendo situation, mm-hmm. um, or you're going to have to buy it anyway for even if it's like less expensive. I can absolutely see them selling classics for 20, 30 bucks anyway. Mm-hmm. And I am not okay with that, but at least it'll be an option for people to play those games to be fair to posterity. not uh, to be fair to not white knight microsoft too much even some of their backwards compatibility titles are like 20 30 bucks what happens that they do okay, sales so is... they do sales often where they drop to one dollar or something to three dollars yeah, which that's what they should be but yeah. we've already established that that's where they put it at with sales is what they should be at normally mm-hmm. um and they just want to get people for opportunity's sake but you're right um 
there is when you see they got is... me like just to give an idea like i bought oh, yeah. a bunch of backwards compatible games this past week because when you see oh this game is usually 30 here but it's five bucks now wait this is 19 it's only one buck now so that's why they do it because that psychology of seeing the price is usually at and then you're seeing the sale price and they're thinking I may lose on this, uh, I'm gonna buy it now, even if I'm not gonna play it right now. So, that's why they do it, even though they shouldn't, because their value is... Uh, yeah. It's way past its value point at this point. Oh, so much. I mean, at this point, it's going to start making it full circle and making it more viable to buy, because you just can't find it anywhere. Yes. And... Oh, I froze for a second. Hang on. Okay, no. Did oh, you? I'm back. Okay, okay. I was like, you first? No, on, you on my screen, <laughs> we both froze, but sometimes my computer's like that. Anyway... <laughs> Okay. This could um, like yeah. If Sony actually is actually testing this so that PS3 finally becomes fully backwards compatible and not a PS Now thing, because only the PS3 games were the ones that no, they can't be played natively. They are, they can only be streamed from our server farm here in Japan. Yeah. Like, just the easy win, and that's the thing. Like because when they were like, no, we're not going to uh, do backwards compatibility normally. Everyone was like, okay, so are you going to remaster every single of your big games so that at least they can be preserved from PS4 onward? And there's so many series, the Killzone series, Resistance, Infamous, other smaller games like Heavenly Sword, Lair, uh, Folklore, huge list, like an eclectic group of yeah. exclusives that the PS3 had that are just like withering in the bind, just existing there in the PS3s that are still working right now uh, by some miracle. It's a... They uh, they absolutely have to figure this out because it's such an easy PR win. But here's the problem also. Microsoft hasn't just enabled backwards compatibility. They've gone above and beyond. Absolutely. FPS boost, resolution boost. They're basically giving you the equivalent of a remaster for free with the games you already owned. And Microsoft is big enough to be able to do that. And Sony would have to divert so many resources mm -hmm. to make that happen that they would be eating so many profits mm -hmm. for so long. So unless they've been doing this for the past like five or six years, it's going to be such a long process to make this happen anywhere close to what Xbox is doing. I mean, I remember making fun of it when Xbox said game pass i was like there's never going to get me to do a subscription mm -hmm. service to pay for games that like i could just buy myself and then they just kept hitting you mm -hmm. with all of this stuff the day one releases the, all that stuff it's like the discounts of the games if you want to eventually buy yeah. them when you're there it's just like but it's all stuff that you can't just do right off the bat the infrastructure required and the quality assurance testing and stuff is just gonna be so much work yeah, so Sony and that's why to get their crap together and that's why i remember when we did the uh our reaction to the initial ps5 specs reveal of gdc yeah. 2020 right when the pandemic started yeah and uh when initially the miscommunication was that, oh the only the 100 most popular games in ps4 are gonna be backwards compatibility at launch yeah and, uh, remember that how furious that was and eventually there are no everything is except a few games that just don't work with the new system there by waiting they they made the decision to literally wait until this generation started to be to do the work that microsoft started doing in 2015. maybe they could eventually get to the point where they can start enhancing ps3 games but the problem is that they don't have the software acumen that microsoft has microsoft's not great with hardware until now recently they finally found their sweet spot and doing actually doing great job with hardware look at the 
Xbox One X and even the Series X, like um, how powerful those are. And them doing a machine that's way smaller than the PS5. And the PS5 had to be like this mammoth Alienware style tower just because of their cooling thing. And Microsoft was able to do that I in know, a much right? smaller machine. Uh, but Microsoft has always had a great job of, of figuring out stuff through software. So so the software, from, from, from the software perspective, um, Sony's not as good. If not, they would have already figured something out, but they also made the intentional decision of waiting until now. So it's still always going to be like, a, yeah, it's better late than never. But it's but by now doing this, it's just going to highlight Microsoft. You did good by starting so early when you were in your worst possible moment, because being able to play so many of those 360 games enhanced many games that don't run well. I was like, I tried playing Oblivion on Xbox, on just the base Xbox One. That game runs like shit most of the time. And that game got enhanced for Series X and S to run at 60 frames. A game from 2006 and got a resolution boost. Like, it's, it, Xbox is just crushing it, honestly. I Literally. <laughs> they make it so much harder to be a Sony person and mm -hmm. like you're you're absolutely right with what you've been saying and how it's very much in my desire to save up and get like a Series S at mm -hmm. least at the very least at the very least exactly um, because if I want to play any of this stuff and not buy a big old tower mm -hmm. you have the little the little console that little console that actually looks good yeah, so. and then once if I did that, I would be playing all of my indie games, all the stuff through Game Pass constantly because I have that problem. Whatever's the newest in the household gets to play the most, mm -hmm. um, and that's that's my issue. That is my my failure yes. as a human being. But <laughs> golly, oh man, um, yeah. I, I still have to like hope like going back to Sony thing. Yes, like. At least do it. It's like even yeah. if it's not as good, it's like that's your problem for waiting until now, until your competitor has has gone has leaped way ahead. And I tell you, it's like you, I mentioned Project Spartacus here, and I, I think we mentioned it last week. If not, uh, Project Spartacus cannot release and not have day one exclusives. Like they just can't. It's just gonna no, look so no woefully inferior. It's gonna be what the initial Game Pass offering was when they announced it. I was like, okay, that's neat. I play those games, so. I don't think I need this. It's until yeah. the new stuff started coming out when third parties started getting on board. Indies found a, found it a great curated place to put them out. It's a, with such a low low barrier of entry, like mm -hmm. Sparta. Like it's because of them waiting. They're literally coming in in the initial step that Microsoft already went for, went through almost five years ago. So yeah. it just comparatively just doesn't look good, but. Again, um, better late than never because so yeah. it, like a lot of PlayStation fans that have never delved into the Xbox ecosystem are missing out a lot. You just don't know just how pleasing it feels to have all of that, or just 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 how good just how pro-consumer it feels. It really like it I really know, does. Right? It, like it really does. I feel like they're actually listening to me. Yes, it's great. <laughs> so it it makes me want to not care about the fact that they're doing so many borderline sketchy things here mm. and there um so as as we finished all of this up um i don't have anything else to add for Me what neither. we've got but i do have one thing mm -hmm. that popped up on my feed that i want to point out to you just for the meme factor oh gosh what's the, the name thing, of the thing 
the thing that needed to show up for the demo of Stranger of Paradise, <laughs> an official gameplay overview trailer. Oh, God. Just dropped three minutes and 46 seconds explaining the loot system, the combat, the classes, the stuff that I was just lost on. Uh. <laughs> and I just, I skipped through it briefly and I was like, man. It, it does look way better and it, it like shows comparisons mm -hmm. of how things play out. Also, the new female character that looks like uh, Stella from like, looks like Stella from uh, the old Nomura Final Fantasy 15. Yeah. And like the, the, the gray haired girl almost. Um, and I keep forgetting her name, but like Neon, she's the chaos. Yeah. Like Neon is the girl that was that had the garland armor that then when she defeated. Oh, her. she was that was her. Yeah, that's what she's like. Yeah, I I. In order to try to defeat this evil, I had to become oh chaos to see the heroes destroy and me. He was and, the and, one that said BS. Too. Yes, and she's oh my BS gosh, and just walk, so walk funny up that <laughs> she becomes like a new character that follows you around and stuff. But like, mm -hmm. it looks like you are able to like control the other characters as well. That's it, there's multiplayer in both. So remember, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm looking at. Where it's like three characters all playing simultaneously in this gameplay trailer that they're showing how it works. Um, and that's just mind blowing. So anyway, that's Watch just that. I wanted to point that out to <laughs> yeah. everyone because uh, that seems to answer a lot of questions that I had during that demo. And what is the name of the video that you watched today on Twitter? They were like, I can't believe this is real. Oh, um, Pet World. Pal World. That's what it was. Pal World. Anyone um, look at Pal World. Oh, oh my goodness. The <laughs> it's it's so cute and adorable. And then the Pokemon pulls out the Glock and then you just it goes wild from there. Yes. <laughs> I no, but, like it looked honestly so whimsical and lovely mm -hmm. and like time and effort put into it and like added mechanics that Pokemon should have. And then you just it's a third person shooter mm -hmm. with Pokemon <laughs> as your buddy. <laughs> I tell you, the season, oh the season desist for that one can't come any sooner, but I'm just glad right now it's still up. <laughs> oh, man. I, I hope it stays. I really hope it stays and becomes a thing. Anyway, so that's everything for me. How about you? That's everything for this week, Paul. So, Paul, where can people find you? As always, y'all can find the best tweets in the world and silly memes at Dork of Art, along with occasional art that I actually post. Uh, you can find me sometimes at YouTube, also at Dork of Art, and on Twitch at AngelSword21. Alejandro, how about you? You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash theslayergiant. I haven't streamed in a while, but we may do some stuff soon with all the games that are coming up, especially some of the co-op stuff. Um, you can find some of my tweets at underscore I might retweet some of the stuff that Paul does to just expand some of the fun ideas of something that I retweeted there. You can find uh, my post at AlejandroSegovia93 on my Instagram. I'm posting the links to my stories usually and also in posts. Uh, I can try to expand how people can reach us. And you can find some of my written content at thecriticalcorner.com. New editions. Yeah, which I found a great... Uh, being able to complement our podcast with some writing with the things that we do. It's a good motivation to have something to write that's not just a review. Or a top 10 thing i might be writing something for our for the whole microsoft Ac activision acquisition and uh, the pros and cons of what's gonna be its impact 
I can elaborate more sometimes in writing than I do in the podcast, but yeah, you can find all of that there, and you can always find us here, like I mentioned at the beginning, at Escape Media on YouTube and at, at anchor.fm slash escape-media, where you'll get the RSS feed, where you can put it in all your favorite podcast services by on your own or the ones that are already there. And you'll see the list. So, Paul, it's been a pleasure, and remember, everyone, sex to play. Good night, everybody. Hasta luego.